This is iFanboys Talksplode with Katie Cook. I could sleep. I could sleep. I could sleep. I could sleep. When I lived alone, is there a ghost in my house? I could sleep. Hey, this is Josh Flanagan with iFanboy.com, and I am here on this episode of Talksplode with with Katie Cook. Hi. Yay. Hi. <laughs> this, this is a very low-key uh, cheer, but that's that's fine. It means that you're not too conceited. Uh, I don't know. I don't also don't want to scare the cat on my lap. Well, but. that's that is a concern. Um so I I think of you uh primarily, I guess, as a as a cartoonist. Is that how you describe yourself or, or? It is. Yeah. Um I would, you know, if people try and put me in a box, I tell them that I'm a cartoonist or or they can think of me as a commercial illustrator at this point, ah, because I do so many licensed things. I guess that's I guess that's right. So, uh, where, where did you come from? What was your What was your You know, how did you get into comics? Had you always wanted to do that? Was this Yeah, you know, are you living the dream? It's, I am. You know, I I actually really wanted to be a newspaper cartoonist. I grew up with the thought that I was going to be the next Charles Schultz, or I was going to, you know, be the next Bill Watterson. And then I, I got to college and I was going to art school and I realized that newspapers were dying. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, no, I got to change things up. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've always loved comics. I learned how to read on, on comic books. And, you know, it's just such a, a natural thing for me. I just I, I love visual storytelling. And I've, I've really never wanted to do anything but be a cartoonist. So the fact that I am one and I'm, I'm full time, I've been a full time freelance for eight years and it's my job and I love it. Did you I mean, so you were, were you originally sort of going to be sort of a like a strip cartoonist and stuff like that? Is that what you were sort of training for? And then did you sort of have to make a like a, a rough transition or? Not really. You know, it's uh, I have a, a BFA in illustration. Okay. So, you know, my goal and what I studied was more illustration. Um, and I always figured that if anything, you know, the way that I work, it's it's very cute. It's adorable. And I actually figured I'd end up going into children's book uh, illustration. And for me, just doing comics on the side at that point, you know, I was doing strip cartoons and then I, I would do some longer format stuff. And it was always really fun. It was always really interesting. Um, but for me, it was I, I never considered myself a writer back then. So for me, that three to four panel gag was something that I felt I was capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I started doing uh, some of the licensed stuff. And I think Fraggle Rock was the first issue of a comic book that I wrote that was more than a few pages. And uh, My Little Pony... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Number one through four is the first multi-art comic I ever wrote. <laughs> so prior to that, like, how did you go from? I mean, you were doing. Were you doing web comics originally? I was. That, I had, yeah, uh, my web comic Gronk for five some years. Yeah, and I started getting some licensing work based off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, children's comics and whatnot. People that thought it was cute. People that thought it was funny. And you know, I was self-publishing all that at the time, and then. Uh, fateful days of fateful days. Uh, I just so happened to tweet out, Hey, I, I think the new, my little pony show is great. I think it's a great reboot of the series. 
And I got contacted by uh, Bobby Curno over at IDW. And he said, oh, we just bought that license. Do you, do you want to write it? <laughs> so it really oh. does work that way? It does. Wow. I tell everybody it's that easy to break into comics. And that turned into a five-year gig on that book. And I know a lot of people make fun of it because it, it is My Little Pony, but it has such an intense fandom. And, you know, the first issue of that comic is sold over a million copies. And it's, you know, the, the book is translated into so many languages. And it's it was a blast to work on it. You know, uh, the the jokes about the fandom aside and, you know, the the people that poo-poo the fact that, you know, it's an all-ages book. It w- It's a hoot. It was such fun. And uh, the artist that I always worked with was an artist named Andy Price, who I had known prior. So, you know, he's he's one of my best friends. And it was a book that, you know, I was working on with not only an artist that I really like, it's an artist who is my friend that I don't mind, you know, texting him at three in the morning, asking him an idea or to, to kind of shit talk him. And I think the book reflects that. And I think that it was really fun. So how did you get from the point where you were sort of just doing your own stuff, putting it up on the web to, I mean, I, I remember at that point, like I, I remember when that book started, you were definitely sort of part of the comic book scene. I feel like you had relationships with a lot mm-hmm. of people. Was that from going to shows? Was that from social media or, or was your work just sort of resonating farther than, than you'd sort of known at first? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, mm-hmm. I was doing shows and, you know, trying to, to show off my work. And then there was all the stuff on social media. You know, I used to post all of this fan art. And, you know, then I would get work based off of that, um, which is always very surprising because when I was first starting to kind of show my portfolios around in the industry, you know, I, I got really pigeonholed into, well, you you work so simply and so it's adorable so your really only option is children's comics um but you know i started to to meet all of these people and I, i've met a lot of people that were super encouraging and since then i mean I've, I've also i've done work for marvel i did i did a story um for the dc gotham academy anthology i've you know done all of this stuff for star wars now i've illustrated four star wars books and it just it's just escalates and it all really started with, you know, posting on social media and putting my work online. You really are kind of an example of that. I'm just doing my yeah, just doing my webcomic and posting the occasional like picture of Yoda to now I have officially done all of these books and I've worked on all of these different licenses um, and I've gotten to do stuff that I never would have thought I was going to be able to do back when I was in college. How much, it, when, I'm wondering, like, some of it seems like it just sort of showed up, but like, like, at what point did you start to realize, like, oh, this is, this is going the right way and, and sort of handling your social media differently or sort of, you know, you know, I, I would say it's fair to say you've, you've, you've sort of created yourself into a brand outside of just the work and it happens that yes. the work stands up. But like, mm-hmm. how quickly did that sort of snap into place? Like, this is a thing I should be doing, or was it, or was it a little later? And meaning, think, uh, meaning how how you're using social media, I guess. I think that the second I started getting a following, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's then you're like, oh, they respond to the posts that are about my work and the posts that are, you know, more about that the job rather than my personal life. And I think the very first time that it was like, oh man, I gotta like toned down on just stuff that's about me is when I had my first kid. 
because I posted a baby picture and someone like the actual reply is, ain't nobody want to see a baby draw Yoda. And it's like, oh, <laughs> you guys do not care that I just pushed this thing out of me. You want me to draw Yoda. Okay. Um, so it's, I, I do post about my kids on occasion, but it's usually something that's funny um, or an observation about them. Or I'll post something that's from my life, but it's funny. I don't post, hey, I I had ramen for lunch. Like, no one <laughs> wants to see that um, unless I can relate it to something or if I draw the bowl of ramen at this point. Um, so, yeah, it's for me, social media is the the tool of what I use to share my work, but also the the parts of myself that I think should be shared. You know, I'm not yeah. going to post a picture of my house, but I will post you sure you know, talk about it funny that my kids did <laughs> oh i do my poor husband <laughs> all the renovation projects so um i guess going back a little bit when you you sort of start can you t- tell me i guess describe a little what, what gronk is i can picture him in my head yeah it's a uh, gronk is a it's a little green monster and uh, it was it was that typical newspaper strip that was three mm-hmm. or four panels and you know it was about Gronk and then, you know, this kind of nerdy woman and a dog and a cat. And it was this kind of character that came to our world from another world and learning about, you know, everything through the aspects of pop culture and, you know, what what that would form a person into. And then it kind of shifted a little bit over time. You know, as I had kids, Gronk kind of became my oldest kid who was this really intolerable three-year-old um who was just a monster and you know then it it got to the point where i was getting enough work you know in normal comic books that i actually just put gronk on hiatus i haven't really done it in in a couple of years and uh i just uh did the keynote at uh, the ringo awards a few weeks ago and it was about this journey of doing web comics to doing you know, normal comics full time and then kind of going back into web comics because there was a point in my my career where I was working on my little pony and then I would take on the occasional little thing here and there. I'd do like a two or four page story for Marvel or then I'd go work on a book for Disney or I'd take on a different illustration project for another company. And I was like, I don't have time to do this web comic anymore. And it's my career in comics killed my comic. <laughs> uh-huh. And it was one of those moments of like, oh, my God, I, you know, I had this comic that really resonated with a lot of people and we sold a lot of books. And I have an entire little shelf in my office that's all Gronk fan art that's been given to me, Gronk statues, Gronk plushes, this like thing that we call like the shrine to Katie that's in the office. And I let it slide away because I was, I was focused on something that one got my name out there a lot more and, you know, paid my mortgage. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, was that like, do you feel like it had run its course or uh, what was your, like, what was your goal with it when you started? Was it just an expression or was it, did you, you know, want to make it an ongoing running thing forever or? For me, it was just that, that outlet of, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to draw something for me every single week. And I had just, you know, kind of quit my, my full-time job to start going into illustration full-time. And I just wanted something that was mine. Mm -hmm. And it was like, so every Friday I'm just going to do this strip. I'm going to take whatever I'm doing every Friday. I'm just going to put out one of these. And that was always my goal. And then, like I said, eventually like life 
gets in the way of stuff like that. You know, when it's not something that's a big money earner or things like that, you know, the life kills passion projects. <laughs> so you still, I mean, you still had a passion for it. Like you, you like I all did. things being equal, you could still keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it would be very different now if sure. I were to bring it back because, you know, I'm a different artist now. I'm a different writer now. You know, I now have, you know, eight years of experience writing comics and drawing comics. So if I went back to it, it wouldn't probably be that four panels anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'd really love to to reapproach the character as a series of books. Um, just something something a little bit different. Uh, because right now, as far as comics go, I'm, I'm now very invested in my new webcomic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be really hard for me to break away and, and do another comic when I'm, I think I would just be itching to go back to the, the new one. What did you learn creatively while doing Gronk that you sort of, you know, were able to apply as you, as you went into this other sort of unknown stuff that when it was new? I think that Gronk was my beginning of self-promotion on social media. You know, there's there's just like the like I'm a young doe-eyed baby <laughs> posting on DeviantArt back in the day. Like, here's my picture of Yoda. But Gronk was kind of at the advent of of Twitter and when Facebook was becoming more of a thing and Instagram didn't exist yet. So it was my first time basically saying, here's a thing that I made. Go read it. And, you know, I used to, you know, go on forums of people that made webcomics and post about it. And it was this big thing. It was the first time I had to do all the legwork and say, read my book, read my book, read my book, go to conventions, read my book, go to, go to everything, you know, go to my local comic shops and say, can I put postcards out? Um, can, can you carry my book? I self-published. Will you, will you carry my book? So it was my first time that I, I had to sit there and say, read this. Whereas, you know, when I started working in licenses later, a license sells itself. I don't need to to go online and say, hey, guys, I have a new Star Wars book out this week. I hope somebody buys it. You know, it's going to get bought. <laughs> um, so I don't I don't have to do it. I can post a link to Amazon and say, hey, guys, I have a new book out. And then I don't need to do a follow up <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because, you know, Disney is going to do all that for me. And, you know, for Gronk, it's it, it was all on me. Mm-hmm. So coming out of that and you, you move on, you get this offer from My Little Ponies. Somebody says, do mm-hmm. you want to write it? Uh, did you like how, how quickly before you were like, oh, I can do this? Or were, did you say yes and go, I guess I'll figure this out? Um, you know, with going from, you know, having, you know, written an issue of Fraggle Rock or a few like four to eight page things here and there. And then all of a sudden, My Little Pony, they're like, do a multi book arc they wanted um four comics so they could put it into a trade at the end because they're not sure if it's going to sell well or you know how long the pony thing's going to last and i said okay (laughs) and uh you know i wrote everything in this very structured way because it's like every every book has the the three act structure but then the overall three act (laughs) so it's there were a lot of post-it notes involved what what was your process with that? Do you, you plan out, uh, you know, are, are you are you planning out the arcs ahead of time? Are you just sort of building your structure that way or? Yeah, it's I, I would, you know, I, I build out what the, the whole story is first. Mm-hmm. And then I, I take all my post-it notes of all of these plot points and then I break it down into smaller plot points after that. And then I break it down into kind of page by page. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am 
I am a writer that people like to work with because I give them the whole script at once. Sure. <laughs> I I have heard a nightmare of people that are like, oh, I get like two pages here, five pages here. And that sends me into like a downward spiral for them. Um, yeah. I can't I, work that way. I, I can almost just tell from the way that your sort of career goes, like you're in control of that stuff. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's a thing for you. I am. I'm at the container store a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> I am. I have. I have post-it notes of every, like my day, like broken down by the hour on the side of my machine. And if I don't meet one of those post-it notes, there is hell to pay. So I find that when the post-it notes start piling up, I tend to not see the post-it notes anymore. And then, and then they, they sort of become invisible, which defeats their ultimate purpose. But if you can stick with it and that works for you, then keep doing it. Yep. I have, I have, you know, like right now I have, everything cleared off except for one because after i get it done i take it off the monitor i put it on the little pile and then at the end of the week i have this very big pile of completed tasks that i then dump in the trash and then i can say i did all that it's cathartic yep anyway so so you've got to then then make this this uh i'm I'm curious with, with with my little pony like like how well did you know it you know what? I, I grew up with My Little Pony, um, mm-hmm. so I at least had that. But was there and like a, I was... a story with it? No. No, because no, it was know, just a bunch of Yeah, they were just colored... having me do whatever. So I, I watched what was available on iTunes at that point. And, of course, they wanted the main characters in it for the, the initial story. Mm-hmm. And this is back during the, the early days of the new My Little Pony when there were only like six main characters. Now there's like 50. Um, it is getting ridiculous. It's basically the same as G.I. Joe. I mean, it's. Yes. <laughs> um, and everybody has a favorite and everybody complains when their favorite's not in it. But, you know, I I had fun with that project. You know, it was it was a big learning curve. And I was working with uh, Andy Price, who I'd known for years already. And, you know, we brought him in on the project to be the artist, which was also this big thing, because this was the first time I was just the writer on a project. No, this was before then. I'd always drawn whatever I'd written. Does that mean that you you overwrote or underwrote your scripts? I think that I overwrite because um, I I start each panel with a description of what I have in my head of what the panel looks like, mm-hmm. and I always note to to Andy or if I'm doing something for someone else, I say you can ignore this direction, but this is just how I see it happening. And you still do that? Um, yeah. Yep. Um, I've occasionally I'll put a little thumbnail in if I'm I'm thinking of a neat page layout. Um, But again, I always say you don't have to do this. This is just me coming from the visual standpoint um, that in when I'm writing it out, this is just how it looks in my head. So I'm just giving them where I'm going with it. And I'm sure that's really irritating to some people, but for some people, they they think it's really helpful. I don't think there's a correct answer, like in sort of the comics that I've worked on or the, the people that I've spoken to, like there's no, there's no correct answer with that. Everybody wants a different mm-hmm. thing. So you, you can't really be mm-hmm. wrong. You can't be right either, but yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, you're, you're doing that and you know, when do you, when do you start to feel like, Hey, I've got this, like we're, you know, and you, you know, there, I think there's a certain point when you're doing ongoing comics, um, you know, where, where people sort of just get into a groove and they, 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 sort of realize oh this is how you keep it going the whole time the people are good at it 
I think that, you know, when it was my little pony, cause I was on that project for about five years wow. uh, before I left. And it's a thing of like, you just know the characters at that point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every Saturday I'd sit down with my kids and watch whatever the new show was, you know, I'd watch the new episode and you get into this thing of like, no, I know how Twilight would react to that. No, I know how this or, you know, the second you think of a story idea and you know the characters so well, you know how they're going to react to it. So the story really writes itself, um, which is which is great. Um, and then there was uh, there's four issues that I don't care for. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is when uh, I liked the first versions of them because they were really fun and silly. And I introduced a lot of new species and new characters but it was at the point where people started to notice that the comic was doing really well. And that's when you start getting notes from editorial. I went from everybody trusting me and saying, this is great. Just do it um, to the point where I didn't even think people read it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there are scripts that I think have been sent to Andy and approved that I don't think anyone has read um, <laughs> because there's one pony joke that I tried to get in for three years and it was one of the ponies saying, why the lawn face? <laughs> and that was rejected all the time. And then one day it got through and I was like, no one read this. <laughs> I like the idea that you stuck with it. I'm going to do this became, one more time. <laughs> it became my, my, like, my white whale is having <laughs> a horse say, why the lawn face to yeah. another horse. Because it's so dumb. Uh, but yeah, it is. And then, uh, <laughs> it's so stupid. Um, but yeah, that's the, the beauty of My Little Pony is that you can make dumb horse jokes. But, you know, it was those four issues because then there was pushback going, oh, let's let's have a character that does this. Or, oh, let's add a character that does this. Oh, let's let's change this. And it was like, ah, none of that fits. <laughs> Just make it work. Mm-hmm. It's due tomorrow. <laughs> Just make it work. Uh, no, no. Where was that not. in the run? Was that like near the end, or was that? It's, it was. Oh, I'd say middle beginning. Okay. People, people that have read the scripts will be able to tell pinpoint uh-huh. exactly what four issues that I'm like. Oh, that those. Yeah, yeah. I'll sign it. But I mean, can we just pretend Andy wrote it? <laughs> And, and so, but after that, did it level off or? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think that they realized that I, I don't respond well to suggestions that destroy the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause I, I wrote back that I was like after the fact, like I went off on this, I think it was right after 4th of July one year. Cause I had been working on the script at my, my in-laws lake house, like ignoring all the festivities, which I was going to do anyway, but I don't want to do it for work. <laughs> and it was like, nope, guys, I got to work. I got all these notes back. And I just remember sitting there and I'd been typing on my iPad and I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> this is this is ruining. It's like it's already like I already take so much flack for the fact that I worked on My Little Pony and all of these people that think that my career is a joke because I work on My Little Pony. And now you're going to make me turn in something shitty on top of it. So, yeah, I kind of put my foot down and I wrote like the email after that going, all right, so if you're going to make changes like this, we got to like we got to have a phone call and we got to talk about them. And you got to let me hear your case of why these things need to be taken away or added. And then 
I need to be able to say my piece. It's kind of a power like, move. Yeah. Well, it's I'm I'm very exacting, mm-hmm. um, which some editors really like, and some editors really hate. Um, and you know, it's it's very. You know, my work looks very light and fluffy and and whatnot, but those those lines are controlled. <laughs> they're they're very exacting, and I I get into you know these these modes of like all right no if I don't if I'm not putting out my best work then what's the point um you know I don't I don't want to put out crap and I get really anxious when I put out something that I'm not fond of and I, I think it, you can really tell on social media because they're like Katie you didn't say that you wrote an issue of so and so and it's like yeah yeah we don't need to bring that one up <laughs> I didn't post about it is that I mean that that attitude seems like it'd be difficult and at odds with with doing a lot of licensed work i mean and i mm-hmm. think it's a testament to sort of the work itself that you can still get hired on that you yeah. know because because you can ride that line i think that you know the fact that i can meet a deadline mm-hmm. um really makes it so some editors don't mind that i will write them 10 emails going please explain to me why i need to do this please explain to me why this change needs to be made really do we have to do that? Um, you know, but I always get my work in on time, mm-hmm. if not early. And I think that, you know, especially with Disney, that they're, they're very willing to, to work with me, um, to the level of like, all right, I need, I need this explained to me why this change needs to happen. Um, or I'll just say, you know what? I totally understand. That's fine. Let's do it. Um, I think there was at one point I was drawing Finn in one of the books and they sent back his hair, like five times. And I was like, um, so it's not like it's a girl's haircut, <laughs> which are hard. It's very closely shaved. What am I doing wrong? <laughs> Can you just explain to me what I'm doing wrong? Can I just have a little bit more explanation? Um, but yeah, they usually everybody's pretty great to work with. Um, like I said, every once in a while I get that pushback. And as long as someone can explain to me mm-hmm. the reason for it, I'm usually pretty great about it. That seems to make sense. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious about um, – we've talked a little about the fact that, you know, when you, you, you've described your writing as cute and adorable, et cetera. You know, is that – is that like is that your natural style? Is that what comes out? Is that a creative choice? Can you can I assume as an illustrator you can draw on other styles too? Uh, you know I am a I'm a classically trained illustrator. You know I I did everything. I did all the fine art painting. I did all the super hyper realism stuff, and I think that makes you a better drafts person, mm-hmm. which I think makes you a better cartoonist. Um, you know I I did technical illustration, you know, when I was in college and then I did, you know, all of the figure drawing, but then I take all of that and I put it into being a cartoonist. Um, you know, every once in a while I'll post a, a, you know, a realistic drawing of my kids Mm -hmm. and then everybody freaks out and they're like, Oh, that's, I was like, I, I don't think that's my best work, but okay, cool. Um, you know, that I just do for fun, uh, or, you know, for my mom, my mom makes me paint her flowers (laughs) <laughs> I was like, that's not my favorite thing to do. Um, because I just, I, I like working in my style. You know, I, I, I am egotistical enough to think that my style has grown over time and it's very discernible as being like, Oh, that's, that's a Katie cook drawing. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, that's, I'm not going to cheat on myself and go do something else. Well, it's, I, I like the way that I draw. No, I mean, and I, and I, I yeah. want to make sure that comes across. Like I, I, I actually think that yeah. that sort of simplified, very economic line style of, mm -hmm. of cartoon. That's like, that's my favorite thing. You know, if, if you were to ask me like, who's my favorite comic book artist, I would say it's somebody like, you know, Darwin Cook or, or Alex Toth mm -hmm. or something like that. Because I think it's because a, it's a thing I could never do. Like I just would put a yeah. billion lines down and they would always be scratchy and I hated it. Um, but I, you know, and when you can sort of say what you want in that picture with as few lines as possible and just having it look mm -hmm. like one effortless stroke, like a Jeff Smith kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's I, I love like that yeah. one sexy line when you can, you know, show something like like Jeff Smith, like when he draws bone, just that beautiful oh. line art. And uh, oh God, I was a professor in college uh, that I was was talking to about a couple other, you know, comic stuff. He was the one guy that didn't laugh at me when I was like, I want to make comic books. <laughs> and he always said that you can cover up a lot of crap drawing with hash marks. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, man, that is that is a true fact. Um, you know, and then again, my my favorite, you know, you know, comic artist at that point was basically like Charles Schultz. I mean, look at Snoopy. <laughs> Yeah. And look at that wibbly wobbly line that he uses. Um, and I know that, you know, I, I do use very simple lines, but, you know, I think that uh, they they pop on their own. And then, you know, the colors that I use, especially for for nothing special, my new project. I mean, they make that that simple line art sing. I mean, it's amazing. Well, it's 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 I was thinking about this as I was sort of looking through different stuff that you do. Like it's it's one thing to be like, I can write this thing or uh, I can do drawings, or then I can make drawings into sequential art. But you also, you know, you color, you produce, you're, you're doing everything on nothing special, which which we can talk mm -hmm. about. Um, you know, on top of the fact that I know that you do watercolors, you know, at mm -hmm. conventions for people, which which yep. are, I've seen you do it. It's like super quick, you know, but it, but it works. And, and, you know, you're actually, while they're all cartoonish, simple drawings, like you're working in different media within those, which I think is interesting, mm -hmm. too. Yeah, and it's um I, well, it's I'm traditionally uh, trained. Like I said, I have a BFA, and I I learned fine art painting. I did oils, I did acrylic, I still do a lot of watercolor stuff. The the stuff that I've done for the Wonderground Gallery for Disney is all watercolor, um, and I I love watercolor. Um, and then I think uh, nothing special is the first thing that I've done completely digital. Is it? Um, usually, yeah. Usually, I would do at least my line art sitting at my drafting table. But, you know, you're kind of late on that. And really, no. And I ha I've had a Cintiq forever, too. Mm -hmm. um, like I bought one and I was like, I'm going to join. I'm going to do the <laughs> thing. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, eh, this is weird. And it's smooth and it's. Eh. Was it a hard transition? You know, I think that after I sat down and started. No, it's, uh -huh. you know, after I just drew on it for about four or five weeks, all of a sudden I now go several weeks without drawing something on a piece of paper. Um, again, like with, with nothing special being as crazy as the deadlines that I set for myself are, there's no way I'd be like, okay, now let's go scan the art, clean up the line art, put it all in order. Oh, there's an eraser shaving right there. Let's go take that out. There's no way I could do that. Mm -hmm. So I guess this is a natural time then to let's let's talk about uh, nothing special, which uh, is is your webcomic. You just started mm -hmm. the second season of it. Yep. 
um, um, where did it come from and, and how, how did it become a thing? You know, it's, um, it's interesting because, um, Tom Akel over at Webtoon, uh, he and I have been having a back and forth for a couple of years that he really thought that I had a, a comic in me that wasn't licensed. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the first times in a long time that I had heard anybody say, I think you can do something that's yours. Um, you know, I hadn't done Gronk in a while and all of a sudden it was like, Oh, do I know how to make a comic that doesn't have a pony in it? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. And it took me a while, you know, um, I kind of, you know, had poor Tom sitting on the fence for a while and he would send me these follow-ups going, have you thought of anything? Have you thought of anything? And finally I had this moment of like, I'm going to write a story that's for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to write the kind of book that I loved reading as a kid, something that I would have loved to have had when I was a, a kid or a preteen or a teenager, because, you know, the, the American market doesn't have a lot of those books. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, uh, the escape into, into shoujo manga, <laughs> you know, that, like that, you know, stuff that is made for teenagers, but I still have, you know, I have this background in all ages that I wanted to still have an adult appeal to it. I wanted it to, you know, have an appeal for, you know, someone like my seven-year-old. So I wrote out this pitch for, um, you know, a, a girl named Callie and this kind of magical world that she's from, that she's kind of been sheltered from, even though she knows it exists. And she one day bumps into another kid at her school that can see these little floating plant spirits who becomes her best friend. And then one day her dad goes missing and they go on this, you know, really crazy magical adventure in this very Miyazaki-esque world that's full of big, adorable things, big, scary things, (laughs) and trying to find her dad. And it was a blast. And she's got this little sidekick that I love that is the spirit of a dead radish that follows her around and is really snarky and really overprotective. That's your, that's your breakout hit, the radish. I know. Oh, radishes. Everybody loves radish. Do you like radishes? I I don't mind them. Yeah, that's how <laughs> I feel about the radish. I'm sort of... Yeah. I, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, a radish in general. I'm like, as long as it's like on the side, Yeah. I yeah. will eat it if it has balsamic vinegar dressing on it. Well, anything you could... Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, everybody loves radish. And he's a he's a great part of the group. You know, he's the he's the the straight man of everything. But, yeah, there was just this thing of and I knew that I I had really hit on something because I showed it to a few of my friends. And I was like, I'm going to make this. And I showed them the pitch, like the long form pitch, not the the paragraph before Mm -hmm. I started to write it. And one person (laughs) and I will not name his name said, this would be like you would be Raina Telemeyer if you would just make the boy the main character. This would be a bestseller. Ugh. And I looked at him with the <laughs> most contempt that you can imagine on a generic blonde woman's face. Was that said as a suggestion or a lamenting of society as it is? Oh, uh, that was a suggestion. Oh, yeah, that's worse. Yeah, that was a, oh, this, this would be great if, and it was like, the whole point is that it's this, this girl that, you know, learns that she, she's a teenager and she thinks that she's pretty average and she 
goes on this little magical journey to, to figure out that she's not. She's yeah, she's just a typical teenager, but she's got stuff that's pretty great and amazing about her and that that kind of inner inner self. Um, and there's a lot of little nice little dialogue pieces uh, in the first book that I really love, you know, between her and Declan, because there is a very awkward teenage relationship in there because he's been, you know, in love with her since kindergarten. And then there are reasons for her to not trust that. Um, and then eventually it all ends in matricide. It's all very adorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. How, so, I, I mean, I'm guessing just from first from talking to you this long, like, you, you know what the whole thing is from from before when you started it? I did. Um, yeah. I, I wrote the whole book out from start to finish before I even started to draw it. Um, and that's that first one lasted for 29 episodes. But, um, you know, that's Webtoon's version of a chapter. But, I mean, each one of those ranges between, like, 30 and 60 panels. Yeah. Is that um, format a Webtoon's thing or is that yeah, something that you develop? Okay. A, there's a, there's other sites that do it as well. It's um, very big in in Asia. And I was very daunting at first. I think you can really tell in my early chapters that I had no idea what I was doing because I was still thinking of formatting it into a book later. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden when I was like, well, screw the book, I'm going to do a panel that's 90 inches tall. Um, I started having a blast. Right. Um, and I think you can really tell um, later on when I was like, all right, I'm just going to make this crazy and vertical. There's no panel breaks. And, you know, it's it's a it's a hoot. You know, I had this big scene that I finished inking last week for book two. That is um, Declan chasing Callie around this, you know, magical city, basically doing parkour and the whole thing twist through the city streets there's no panel breaks everything meshes into each other they you know they're ducking in and out of buildings like benny hill they're jumping off buildings and i just had fun with it it's like i can draw whatever i want i don't need to worry about so when you do something like that i i mean i I, you're a planner i know that you have it but you i mean you're outside of sort of the bounds of sort of any kind of illustration that you've done before Mm mm-hmm like how how challenging is it or or is it or is it just like oh this is fun and it's coming together it's it turns into this is fun and it's coming together you know i have the whole thing thumbnailed out um you know i go through every few weeks and i thumbnail out the next several chapters that i'm going to start in on um and you know i i get kind of an idea in my head when i'm like well this scene deserves a little bit more attention or this scene could just be a really great fun visual like that that parkour scene through town mm-hmm. could have been solved in three panels <laughs> sure and that panel is now 75 inches tall <laughs> it is nuts it took an entire day to do but it was fun and you know what i think i'm gonna have even though it's gonna take someone three seconds to scroll through it you know for me that that accomplishment of that bit of cartooning is there, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, for me right now, I think that, um, the work that I'm doing with nothing special now, after I've, I've been drawing it for a while is the, the best work I've done in my career, both, you know, cartooning wise and writing wise. Um, you know, the second book, which I like even better than the first book is an entire ream of paper Mm -hmm. (laughs) printed out. I mean, it is a mess. Um, on Instagram, I even posted what it looks like. Cause it's got all of its little post-it notes sticking out of it of where all the chapter breaks are. 
Um, and it is just this batshit crazy, like blue post-it note, yellow post-it note, green post-it note, pink post-it note. And, you know, even within there, I have like notations of scenes that I think are going to look really great. You know, if I, I pay some extra care to them. And then along with the post-it notes of my projected schedules of turning everything in, because along with doing this, I am, I am almost editorial on this, even though I have an editor at Webtoon out of my own pocket, I pay a letterer and I pay a colorist. So then I need to take their production stuff into account. I need to make sure that they have stuff in time to, to, so we get something online every week. Wow. You're very professional. I know it sucks, man. <laughs> and all of this while you seemingly it's less now. I think it's a little less. You go to a lot of conventions, too. I did last year. I did 18 last year. I only did eight God. this year. I know. I, was so I think I did six in one year is the most. And I, I'm not over it. Oh, yeah. Wow. But I, uh, I did eight this year and I only did the larger ones. I mm-hmm. turned down everything else to try and and get nothing special started. And I think it was the right move for me because, yes, I do make money when I go to shows. But I noticed, you know, that that year that I did 18, I didn't produce any content. Mm -hmm. You know, I I was writing books, but I wasn't really drawing anything. Mm -hmm. And for me, the most frustrating part of that is, you know, I I did uh, like someone was having me sign a pony book and they went, oh, you do artwork, too. (laughs) And it was like, it was like a stab in the gut. Yeah. Um, and it was this thing of like, all right, I got, I got a book in me and then, you know, nothing special came of that. And now it's, I mean, you've, you've seen my social media. It's like on the day that, you know, it updates, which is on Tuesdays. I am all right. Here's some artwork. Here is this, here's the thing that I love (laughs) to draw. And I, I love drawing these characters now. And I haven't been like that in a really long time. That's cool. And, and the fan interaction, you know, it's it's a lot of teenagers and they are all fantastic. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't expect um, you to say that uh, oh, ad- have, adjective. <laughs> yep. They are supportive. They are wonderful. I only get like one dm on instagram every once in a while from someone that is like you're the worst cartoonist ever and i was just like you send them like it's just nice to be nominated blocked um <laughs> you know but for the most part you know they've they've all follow me on social media now they're always on instagram for when i post something about nothing special you know they they talk about the characters they speculate about the story they they you know the chapter from yesterday is sitting at like almost 600 comments on webtoon right now and that's insane. And almost all of them are like, oh, my God, I love what, you know, the direction that that Lasser's character is going right now. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. Oh, what was in that envelope? Oh, God. And, you know, they they want that interaction mm-hmm. when they, they interact with each other. They interact with me. You know, I have to break it to them that I've already written the whole thing. So I'm not going to take any of their suggestions into account. Um, so they've just been a hoot and especially, um, at conventions this year, um, I got a couple numbers from Webtoon when I was working on my Ringo speech. Cause I talked about web comics and the first book has been read 250,000 times. That's pretty good. That's insane. What did you think I mean, it was going to, like, how, how did you think it was going to go over when you first started I, it? 
I just, my only hope was like, if I can do this one thing, if it bombs, then I, I tried and I did something that was mine. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't bomb, it like almost wasn't in my mind (laughs) that it would have been successful. Um, because this was a me project. It was like, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to have a blast and I'm going to do my, my weird comic about teenagers and this dead radish and it's going to be great. So what does it, what does it mean for you? What does it mean for this project to be successful? And and I say that only in the terms of like, I I don't fully understand the economics of, and I don't need you to give me numbers or anything like that, but I don't fully understand the economics of sort of how one judges success with something that's being read ostensibly for free. And you said you're sort of Mm -hmm. not putting it into a book. Like, um, I mean, obviously I think it's, it's elevated your status or whatever the Mm -hmm. word for that would be. Well, I think that, you know, Webtoon does pay me since I'm featured. Um, and then I get paid on top of that, um, by readership. So, and I'm by no means the most popular comic on the site, Mm -hmm. but, um, it's, it does very well. And, you know, for me, my, my moment of success, you know, is, is measured. Yes. And in the interaction, but I think the, the biggest thing was at shows, you know, I have like my, read my little comic, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm back to having to do self promotion again. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden having a bunch of kids walk by and it's almost always teenagers and they're like, oh, I read that comic. It's so fun. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God, do I have a thing to tell you? Because <laughs> um, that's mine. It's, you know, yeah, it's it's great when someone's like, oh, I like your My Little Pony work or oh, I read my Star Wars books to your kids. Blah, 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 blah. But this is mine. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it has resonated with people and, you know, I get great emails from these kids. They're like, oh, it really helped me out through a tough spot or, you know, oh, I really, I, you know, think that I'm, I'm Declan. It's like, I think (laughs) you made Declan just for me, you know, that kind of thing. And I get all of this fan art. I have so much fan art. (laughs) I am tagged in so much fan art. And I mean, that, that makes my heart sing. I mean, that is amazing. You know, as somebody who, you know, I, I was the nerd in high school when it was not cool to be a nerd. And I was in a Scrabble league to give you a really great baseline of where I was socially. (laughs) And now it's like, it's like being the popular kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I get it in, you know, in comics in general, I'm never going to be at, you know, a level of some of these big Marvel and DC guys, but all of a sudden I'm seeing my own success based on something that's, that's truly mine and something that I'm super proud of. You know, again, it's, you know, when I, when I do school talks and stuff, it's like, yes, I work on my little pony. Yes. I work on star Wars. Yes. It's all very fun, but let me tell you about the rash. (laughs) Um, I had the, the best interaction the other day. Uh, I have a little pin of radish on my coat and I was checking out at a Kroger and I kind of wish I hadn't been <laughs> buying so much wine at this point because I looked terrible. But this teenage girl that was scanning all my groceries <laughs> before she had to call the manager over because <laughs> she was not old enough to check out the wine. I was like, oh, I read that comic. You've got a radish pen. <laughs> it was like, I'm about to blow your mind. <laughs> <laughs> and did you tell her? I did. Okay. Um, and I was like, that's my comic. And she just kind of stared at me for a second and she went, your Katie can't draw. <laughs> and I said, yes, I Wait, am. Wait, there's a T? Uh, I always read it as Katie can draw. No, it is 
it's it's Katie can draw. Okay, I thought you said can't. And I was no. like, what? Sorry. No. That, that's better. That, that's that would be that would be Katie can't write. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be out of place in comics. No. I mean um. that, that attitude, but I was, you know, that, uh, sorry. Self depreciating. But <laughs> yeah, no, that's... it's uh, but it was great, and we, you know, it's I had this little like fangirl moment in my little town in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you I mean, know, I've been all, what's also all year? What's also it's cool about that too is that that girl, for whatever reason, will know. Hey, there's a woman who just lives here mm-hmm. who does this thing, you know, and then all of a sudden maybe she thinks, oh, there's there's stuff you can do from wherever. I, I always yeah. like that sort of idea. So that's 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 cool. Yeah. It's like um, the first time I've been asked by the the person scanning my groceries for a selfie. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was very empowering. You did it. You're at exactly the right level of celebrity <laughs> anymore. You know, you get all the ego strips, but. You know, you can have one every once in a while, but you can also remain mostly anonymous. I think that's exactly where you want to be. Yes. It's interesting, though, because, you know, if I think even uh, I haven't gone to any shows in a while, but even like the last couple I went to a few years ago, like you, you get a big line. You have a big following. You have people going there. I, I have a feeling like if you wanted to be one of those creators who just made a living from going to shows, you could probably do it. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean, I assume that's changed from nothing special. I know you haven't been to as many, but I mean, have you seen that sort of demographic shift or that get bigger i you know i i I mean when i do shows you know i do i get my line for my mini paintings and the lines to sign stuff and now i have that additional like oh i want to talk to you about the comic or hey i want to i want to i want to do this um we had i had a cosplayer this year (laughs) i had someone dressed first time hallie well it's i mean i've had like people costume as like my My Little Pony characters right. that I made up and things like that. But there was this girl. She had an exact costume of Callie. She had the long white wig. She made a little radish. She painted all of her fingernails to look like all the little spirits that follow her around. And, you know, I have one guy that's been tagging me in, like, his progress updates for next year because he and his girlfriend are going as Callie and Declan. <laughs> And it's like, I don't, I don't know how anybody's going to try and do Lasser without either wearing a gimp suit or doing blackface. So I think he is right out. Um, he is, <laughs> is not a cosplayable character. Don't, but, don't make bets on that. <laughs> I'd love to see someone try, but I do not want it to go down a very bad place. Um, but, you know, but then I, like I said, I get little people, kids dropping off little things they've done of Radish. And I mean, it's. It's amazing. It's again, it's it's because it's mine mm-hmm. that it, it hits me doubly hard. So what what do you what do you do now? Do you just keep doing this for a while? I, I would love to do this for a while. I mean, the the next part of nothing special, because I decided it was like, nope, I'm I'm going to write another book with these guys. You mm-hmm. know, book one ends on a point where it could end mm-hmm. um, if I had wanted to. But it was like, no, these guys are getting another, another adventure. Um, and Webtoon was like, yes, please. Um, it was popular. Let's do another one. And the first book was 29 chapters. The next book is sitting at 40 some. So you're almost and... done. Are you, you're like 30 something now? Uh, no, no. Uh, it starts over at the beginning. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. So it went, oh, you're 29 like was the last one. So Sorry. yes. So then 30, 31, 32. So okay. we just posted chapter three. I have drawn up to nine. Okay. So I am working a few weeks ahead. I'm really hoping 
I was hoping to get like two done this week, but I pulled a Katie is what we call it in this house and added lots of more, you know, dialogue and panels and stuff. Cause that's the one thing that with the webtoon format is like, Oh, I'm not constricted to 20 pages. Mm-hmm. I can do whatever I want. If I want to add a gag that involves this, and I think I can fit it into a running gag throughout the whole story, I can. Um, or I can, you know, I go through and I basically read what I have left of the script at least once a week um, as I'm going out and doing things. And I say, oh, wait, I, I need to really weave this detail in now. So when I refer to it later, I'm, it doesn't look like I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything is very calculated, very exacting. Everything is mentioned at a very specific point, you know, at, at different points through the story to remind you that it's there, to give you a nudge that that plot point is there. Because it is. For some people, they just read this week to week. You know, right. it's not for the people that are just binging it all at once. So I don't want them to forget something from nine weeks ago. So I have to keep that in mind as I'm writing that I really need to bring up this one point again because it's uh, for book two. Um, in book one, Declan loses one of his wings. He gets part of it ripped off. Uh, spoiler alert. And they're going on an adventure to fix, uh, get it fixed mm-hmm. in book two. So there's all of these magical rules that I had to come up with. <laughs> So, you know, all of this stuff needs to be mentioned again and again, you know, so people aren't, you know, getting confused on how this world works or, you know, just like, oh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It was like, well, if you had listened to chapter four, this makes lots of sense. And and have you, I mean, like, I assume that you're, are you scheduling this yourself? You're sort of saying this is what I'm going to do each, each week. So like how, how, uh, how reasonable are you being on yourself? With the exception I, of pulling Katie's. I I would say that I don't talk to anybody or my family a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, well, I mean, and I say that just because I, there's a big conversation in comics, you know, about about overworking, overworking. or doing whatever. And I know you have kids and, you know, this mm-hmm. is this is your job. So it's, it's your thing. But it sounds like it's really easy to get yourself lost in it because you're like, well, mm-hmm. I can just do one more thing. But yep. also you shouldn't kill yourself. But, you know, I, I really try and treat it as a nine to five. You know, mm-hmm. I try and go drop, drop my kids off and then come back and have some coffee, have some breakfast and then be, be in the office. And sometimes I'm pretty lax. Like sometimes I'm like, eh, I can go in at 10. My commute is 12 stairs down to a basement. Um, but you know what, for, for sometimes I just, I want to get started. And then I, I stop work at five and I go pick up my kids. And then I basically am with my kids from, five until bedtime. Mm -hmm. And then usually I come back downstairs and work for a little while just because there's a panel that I really wanted to draw or there's just something I want to do. And then I, I try and be done by about 10, 10 30 so I can go upstairs and have a couple glasses of wine and read a book. Mm -hmm. Like, um, that's my unwind time. And I, I haven't had a late night in a really long time and I, I don't feel overworked because I'm having fun. Um, I bet that would change if I was working on a project that I didn't really feel a lot of passion for. Mm-hmm. But for right now, it's it's not overworking if you don't mind it. Sure. <laughs> it's, um, if like there's, I don't have to come back down here after I put my kids to bed. 
Um, and then there are some Saturdays where we're all just kind of hanging out in the house. And if my kids are distracted by, you know, some goddamn weird YouTube channel and I can sneak away for 40 minutes and draw a couple panels, I do. <laughs> or they sit in my office. I have a TV in my office. They've, they have watched many a movie sitting with me while I work at my computer and they sit in one of the other office chairs and they watch a movie or they lay on my yoga mat. And that way I can still say that I'm, you know, I'm watching a movie with them and we still interact. But I also get to, you know, just kind of doodle mm-hmm. and, and draw. Um, we uh, have a bunch of hysterical pictures of my four-year-old Harper likes to sit on my back while I'm working. So she sits behind me in my chair while I'm at my Cintiq. Mm-hmm. And she just has a phone that she watches propped up on my back. <laughs> Do your kids like like comics? Do they draw? Uh, my oldest is really into drawing, and now comics are, you know, just she, she finally blossomed into that reader that doesn't mm-hmm. really need a lot of help. Right. And she's great because she comes into my office and she's like, all right, I finished Gem and the Holograms. What else? What else am I going to – what am I reading now? Um so, and of course I have everything. <laughs> so it's this moment of like, all right, what do you want? That's rad. It sounds to me a little like you're living the dream and okay. not in a sarcastic way. No, it's, you know, I, I tell a lot of people it's, you know, I, I don't have a lot of complaints about mm-hmm. my life. You know, everybody has their ups and downs, but I, you know, I have a family that's great. My husband is super supportive and he's wonderful. Uh, My parents, though, they don't understand. (laughs) And my career sometimes are so proud of a thing that they do not have a concept of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, they they call me all the time and they're like, I saw your book in Target. It's like, thanks, mom. (laughs) She's like, I made everybody buy one. It's like, thanks. Thanks, Mom. Um, but yeah, it's it's I I I can't ask for better. <laughs> Is this what you had in mind? Look, you're like I want to make comics. I mean, I, I always I always assumed that I would, you know, have a convertible or something at this point. But I, I am <laughs> now a very practical person, and I have a minivan. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a minivan. Nothing at all. I think we might get a minivan. The mini, the whole minivan stigma has changed. Well, when, we, have... when we were kids, it wasn't cool. Now it's, it's. I don't know. It's ironic, or it's just so useful that we're like, I don't know. you can't deny that. I don't know. See, I have have a Ford Transit Connect wagon. Okay, but it's white because the only one they had on the lot that had all the features that I wanted was mm-hmm. white. So now I just look like I'm always there to make a delivery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's, there's, there's something nice and anonymous about that. Everybody always assumes I'm a florist mm-hmm. or a baker or a caterer. <laughs> I used to have to remember never to wear a red shirt into Staples because people would ask me questions because I look helpful like I would be there and, and I didn't like that feeling. So I guess it's oh. sort of similar. I got to say, having having being a person in a white van and having them think that you're doing something useful – is better than maybe some of the other conclusions that they could come to about me in a white van, for example. Yeah, I was going to say, I am a very innocent-looking yeah. blonde white person. <laughs> Just like, hey, I'm a female. You may trust me to pick up your children from yep. this parking lot. 
Whereas if I go as a male, if I go to a playground, I have to make it very clear that I'm with this child. Yes. This one's here with me. <laughs> and it's strange. Um, <laughs> that's a real thing. What do you want? It is a real thing. Yep. So uh, I think I think that might be all that I have for you. Are you going to go right. back to drawing right now? Yeah. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Cool. Uh, I mean, I mean, you've got this is this is your thing right now. It's nothing special. There's no other things going on, right? There's no books you uh, have I've to got, pimp otherwise. Uh, I've got uh, some Disney stuff that I can't mention yet. I did have um, Star Wars Search Your Feelings came out a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, which I, I really like almost every spread in that book, even the Jar Jar one. Um, <laughs> even Embrace the, the Jar Jar. And, you know, that that book was a blast because it's all double page spreads. So I got to just put in a lot of a lot of Star Wars love into that book. But for right now, it's I'm working on nothing special and it comes out every single Tuesday on Webtoon. Rad. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that will do it for this episode of Talks Blood. I want to thank Katie for joining us. You can find links to her comic Nothing Special and to our website at ifanboy.com under the post for this show. Make sure that you go there. I want to thank the iFanboy patrons for making it possible to do these shows and bring these conversations to people and to let me have these conversations, and I like that very much. So thanks, everyone, and I'm sure that I will talk to you very soon. Bye.